Hey guys, welcome to Real Live Talk. Really appreciate you being here. My name is Duke Lamastra and I'm the host of this podcast. This show is really all about having good, Christ-centered, laid-back conversations with Christian leaders. And for this episode, I sat down with my friend, Pastor Josh Whippy. Josh is an associate pastor at Pioneer Christian Fellowship. He's also a worship leader, youth leader. He's a really talented musician and singer. He does so much more. He's an awesome guy, really making a huge impact in the body of Christ. And uh, for this conversation, we really talked a lot about focus, maintaining our focus on the right things, or I should say on the right one. When it comes to our personal lives and ministry, the most important thing is never to try to measure up to someone else's standard for your life or to measure up to what someone else is doing, even if what they're doing is great. The most important thing is to be faithful to the calling and to the assignment that God has given you. And so I hope that this conversation is going to maybe uh, just help some people maybe uh, adjust their perspective and way of thinking when it comes to life, business, ministry, whatever it is that you do. So thanks so much for being here. Let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with Pastor Josh Whippy. Welcome back to the show, Josh Whippy. What's up, everybody? <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Doing good. What about yourself? Oh, man, I'm so good. Life is good. Jesus is good. Uh, yeah, man, everything's good. You know what? Last time you were here, you were actually, uh, I think you had just celebrated your anniversary. And you did. Years? And you and did now the other we day. got back from celebrating our anniversary. We got That's back awesome. on uh, Tuesday. We went away Was for a few days. 13 years? 13, man. Wow. 13. Awesome. Yeah, man, it's it's been uh, it's been good. Time is, time's flying. I'm sure you could attest to that <laughs> well yeah uh in fact my wife and kids are in myrtle beach right now oh yeah yeah just that's where my wife is from she's from myrtle beach south carolina that's where i met her after i left bible school and i met her uh there we came and then we moved up here and got married so she's visiting her parents that she hasn't seen in like two years because wow. of the pandemic because and of the last COVID, year not, yeah yeah so they're down there, her and my three daughters, and they actually have been there since Monday, and they're going to be there for about four weeks, which is crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Are but, you, so you're you're on your own completely for yeah, four weeks? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. What is, <laughs> I've been eating a lot of hot happen? dogs, uh, a lot of hot dogs, a lot of burgers, chips. It's been not great um, as far as the diet. It's been not great. <laughs> yeah, the, di the diet is not not doing so great. But, yeah, I mean, we're redoing our kitchen. So I've been uh, flying around trying to pick stuff up for the contractor, trying to save some money there so I'm not paying for him to go do it. And then, you know, we're, we're just uh, trying to get that done. And I am going to go down um, in about a week and a half here. I'm going to awesome. go down for five days. So what's crazy is I got tickets. This is going to sound nuts. I got, <clears throat> this is how messed up our world is right now. Mm -hmm. The other day I bought 250 feet of electric wire and it was $150 for 14 $150. Now get this, a round trip direct flight from Buffalo to Myrtle beach is cheaper than I paid for that stinking stuff. <laughs> that, that electrical stuff. Wow. Go figure. It was Dude, like how did you do that? That's a that's a crazy deal. Was that a is it a is it a special airline or something? Frontier, which I don't Frontier, think Frontier, yeah, Frontier's well, yeah. 
Yeah, if you can know. find the flights between the right cities, like that's really cheap. Yeah, I really good deals. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I was like, well, I can't. I can't be away with my family, away from my family for that long. There's just no way. I had to go down. So I looked yeah, up, man. and I'm just like you. You know, you pay extra for bags. So when my wife went down, I just put a bunch of clothes in there. So I'm just literally going probably Smart. with my my phone and my charger and my laptop, and that's yeah, man, about it. Yeah, man, I just because like I just flew and it was just a, a one way. I flew to Houston and I think it was like 150 bucks. And like it was really cool because I was literally just I was I flew out there to pick up my mom. Uh, well, actually, my mom had. So my mom lives in Texas and she was coming out to visit us. So I flew out there just to drive back with her. So I flew there. She picked me up from the airport and we just drove straight back here to Alabama and uh so it was like probably one of the first times in my life uh, where I just I traveled with nothing. Like it was pretty awesome. It was <laughs> pretty legit. I loved it. That's what it's going to be like for me. Yeah. 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 And it, it's nice to fly out of Buffalo, too, because that's not too far from me. And uh, if anybody listening knows Lovejoy Church, uh, a good yeah, friend man. of mine, uh, Kevin Ormsby works there now. And I did the math. It's three. It's three miles away from the airport. So either my buddy Kevin will drop off or I'll get an Uber and it's still cheaper than paying the $50 a week for the parking at the airport, you know? Yeah, brother. Doing stuff on the cheap. Come gotcha. on, man. Life hacking. Yeah. So uh, so how's life been, man, since last time I, I saw you? It wasn't that long ago. But uh, yeah. Doing this kitchen. That's the big thing. My wife wanted a new kitchen when we bought this house. And uh you know, they when I was when I first got married, this guy came up to me and said these wise words. He said, happy wife equals a happy life. Come on. So I've I'm heard like, that somewhere before. Yeah. So we're doing that. She's happy. It, it was pretty dank, man. 1980s kitchen with a terrible layout. Had like a kitchenette that we didn't use because we have a dining room. So we knocked down yeah. the wall and knocked out all the cabinets. Did that on Saturday. And uh, doing the demo thing is fun. And now it's the slow, you know, doing electrical and the stuff you can't really see, but it's important. There's probably a sermon in that, too. Yeah, for sure. Got it. For be. sure, man. Yeah. Taking care of the stuff that's underneath that you don't see. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Are you it's doing it yourself? Ministry. Like, are you doing all of it or, or like, do you do that stuff? No, no. I, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I have, you have a, some buddies helping you out or, or yeah. are you getting it done professionally. I, I play this fictional character called rob <laughs> the builder okay if yep. you look up rob the builder in my name on youtube you can find it rob the builder thinks he's great at construction not to be confused with bob the builder that guy's right. a jerk. yeah no completely unrelated <laughs> that yeah. guy's terrible he steals yeah, dreams um so you could just see this character and it's very close to who i am as a person i know nothing about construction so he screws up all the words and thinks he can do everything and he's terrible and we did it for a uh, sermon series that we did called building a house of prayer so yeah it's it's <laughs> you got to check it out but no i i can't do any of that stuff in fact yesterday my contractor who's also a friend of mine was like hey i can't he was basically saying, like, I got to go pick up your cabinets today um, with, you know, with his worker. And I'm adding up the cost of them driving an hour away to pick up these cabinets and come yeah. back and all that. So I'm like, can I do it? So he's like, sure. So I, I that's the kind of stuff I'm doing. The simple, the simple a monkey could do it. You know, hey, go pick up that piece of 
that piece of wood and give it to me. That's that's kind of the stuff. So yeah, <laughs> go drive here. Can you go get us some coffee? Yeah, hand like me those intern. pliers. Yeah, hand me those pliers. I'm ninety percent sure I know what pliers are, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what a flathead um, is? Yeah, because it's flat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I I know like my limitations. You know, I always think like, man, it would be cool if I got into that and learned it. I know that I probably yeah. have the mind to do that kind of stuff, but I just I don't want to. I yeah. am though jealous when I see guys build things and put things together. I'm sorry, my phone's ringing. I didn't unplug it. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't either. Let's I'm see. in the. Eh, well, it's just gonna off. ring. Yeah. It's uh, it's just I know my limitations. I want to. I, I when I see people build stuff and they do it on their own, it's like awesome. But I, that's just not me. I can't. I can't do it. Do you do that? Do you build stuff? No, I'm I'm probably in the exact same boat as you. I don't know how to do anything. Uh, every once in a while, I'll have the the opportunity to do something where I'm building something with my hands, and like you know, if it's simple. I can kind of, you know, figure it out and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, no, I, I don't know how to do any of that manly stuff. <laughs> unfortunately, I, when I watch them doing it, it looks complicated, but it also looks easy, you know, and it's, I guess that goes with anything. You yeah. Look at it and you're like, Oh, I could play football. And then you, right. You can't, you right. Know? I've got a friend who, uh, he actually like, he remodeled his house like by himself by watching YouTube videos on how wow. to do stuff like how to I'm sure he didn't do electrical because that would be crazy. But like but as far as the, the you know, the craftsmanship and doing the floors and the, you know, all like cutting the tiles, like doing all that kind of stuff, um, which would just kind of intimidate me. And again, like you said, I mean, probably if you spend a little bit of time and figured out how to do it, you could probably figure out how to do it and it would, you know, get it to look somewhat decent. But he got like really into it and really perfectionistic with it. It took him a while, <laughs> wow. but uh, but he did it all himself. And he was like refusing help because he just had this thing. Like I started this project and I want to finish it by myself. And he and he got really kind of like, you know, very much into the process of like, I want it to look perfect. I want it to look like this. I don't want anyone else to be involved in it. And uh, but it was cool. It really impressed me because I'd never seen him really do uh, we, we grew up together and i never knew that he could do stuff like that with his hands mm -hmm. and but he didn't really know how he just kind of like it was all just watching youtube videos but like i've figured out a whole bunch of stuff over the past couple years just by watching youtube videos you know but not that kind of yeah, stuff me it's too. Like, you know my video my stuff podcasting me, stuff all that i was telling my dad i was doing that you know like um with car stuff i'm like yeah i just looked it up on youtube Actually, no, it was my old air conditioner unit outside of my house. It yeah. stopped working. I looked up on YouTube how to do it. So I told my dad, and he was just like, you know, he's like, YouTube is the new dad. Like, you know, you don't For call real, your man. dad anymore. You just For look real. up on YouTube. Yeah, man. Like the other, like last week, we had to replace the, like the ceiling fan in the bathroom, like the ventilation fan. And it's like embedded in the ceiling and I had never seen what one of those looked like before, like inside. So, but like underestimated YouTube, like crazy. My wife mm -hmm. just like, let's just YouTube it. And she YouTubed it. And I was, and I was looking, I'm like, we're not going to figure this out because it just looked to me, to my, you know, un untrained eye, it just looked more complicated than what it really was. But we YouTubed it. It was like a four minute YouTube video. 
and we had it done in like five minutes. We're like, That's oh, awesome. that was awesome. YouTube is fantastic. It really don't is. underestimate YouTube. Well, what's crazy is when I figured out what the problem was, it was a capacitor, which reminds me of like Back to the Future, but flux capacitor. Yeah. So this thing basically, I think it's called capacitor, but it like would it would get the fan going. So the fan needed to go. If not, it would shut off because it got too hot. So I if you could kickstart it with a pencil, that's what you knew what it was. So I figured out what it was. My I called my uncle who works at like a building supply place and I told him the part I needed. And he's like, how do you know how to do this? I said, YouTube. He's like, it's not going to work. I'm like, it's not <laughs> yeah, it work. is. It is going to work. And he goes, the part was like eleven dollars. And I got the part, put it in, took me like, like you said, like five minutes and I, st I stick it in there. It worked right away. All I did was send a video to my uncle saying, Come on. Eh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's awesome. So good. What's well, going on with your church? How man over there. Yeah. Things are, uh, things are pretty great, man. We're, uh, we're just trying to kind of keep up with Jesus at this point. It's like, um, we've got several we've got um basically three different um church plants kind of in the works at the same time at different stages um all like sort of beginning uh phases of them some you know a little bit more advanced than others but um yeah man like we're working on the the biggest you know sort of uh, project that's that's in our minds and that we're like starting to put um, you know, more attention to is a church plant in Houston or in the Houston area. We don't have the, the exact spot nailed down yet, but uh, so that's going on, man. We're, we're excited. We're excited. We're just really looking forward to, um, to everything that, that, that God's doing right now. Have, have you noticed uh, like an influx of newer people coming uh, to your churches, like in the last couple of months? Uh, definitely online for sure. Mm hmm. For sure. Not not in person, uh, but definitely online. We I think the last time we talked, we were we were discussing like some of the negative effects of covid and, um, you know, the toll it made on some churches, stuff like that. You know, people yeah. leaving uh, what I find what I've been finding recently is the people who left, um, you know, say what you want. You know, they, there were some issues there, obviously, but. The and and, and I felt like God kind of was like, yo, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't like be sad about that. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't you, it wasn't yeah. the church, it was something going on deeper within them. And yeah. while I started to try to like just accept that and realize that, then I started realizing, man, there's a lot of new people coming to our church and they're awesome. <laughs> like, mm. I've been so blessed. Uh, this guy, uh, in my church, he, 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 uh, him and his wife, uh, sold their home. They're about a mile and a half away from me, sold their home. And the couple that bought it, uh, started to come to our church, which is like, what are, what are the chances here? That's pretty cool. Uh, so we're, we're blessed like to see newer people coming in, uh, that moved back, moved into our area. A lot of people are leaving cities and, um, yeah, man moving out to either suburbs or even out like where I am in a rural area because they, because of what happened, I think maybe um, also because, you know, cities are kind of getting full that you want some freedom and uh, fresh yeah. air, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Um, one of the things that was birthed this year um, in our ministry was in, in e-church. Um, and we mean that in like, we we meet we actually mean in e church like an online church community not just um 
come to our live streams, but where uh, we'll provide, you know, counseling for people via Zoom meetings. Um, we'll even do things like uh, travel to the person for things wow. like um, if it's like for, you know, weddings and baptisms and things like that. Or, you know, send somebody who's closer, like in that area or whatever, um, you know, and the and even with that, we're still kind of in the beginning phases of it because it was launched during um, during COVID. But like like last year with the lockdown and everything is kind of where it started to come to fruition. But um, but yeah, man, there's just a lot of really exciting things going on right now. Thinking about doing that before the pandemic. Okay, so we had talked about that kind of thing for uh, for a long time before the pandemic but not with that level of clarity it just seemed like when we got into that position where we had to make some moves that all kinds of like creativity started coming out of it like all of a sudden it was like there was this uh sort of magnifying glass on it and the picture just became so much more clear and it was like, okay, well, this is this is it. And we started to hear from God more clearly on how to do things and how to launch things and all of that kind of stuff. So, like, we had talked about it in uh, – we had talked really seriously because we weren't doing anything online, man, at the time. Like, when the, yeah. when the lockdown started, we were not uh, even live streaming or anything. And all of that just kind of happened very quickly. Um, you know, we had kind of, I think, put it up on this pedestal for a long time of, yeah, we got to wait, you know, we got to like, we we're, we're moving toward this, but we got to, you know, we got to upgrade our equipment. We got to make sure we have all this stuff in place. And then when, you know, it's just the way that it goes, like when you're, when you get into a situation where all of a sudden, like you have to do it or you don't Mm -hmm. have church, it's like, all right, well, I guess we don't have to be so picky and be, you know, limit ourselves and all this stuff. Like, let's just go with what we have. And then from there, we got better and we were able to, you know, little by little acquire some more equipment and stuff like that. And it's just been like sort of a work in progress. But, you know, as I think this happens in so often just in life in so many different ways. But when you're kind of in that place where resources are not there to the extent that they used to be or you're kind of backed into a corner or whatever that. Like there's just so much opportunity there to just mm-hmm. tap into the creativity of God and to really see him just bring good out of a negative situation, you know? Right. No, that's cool. I, uh, I don't know. We, I think, I think I might've mentioned this on the last po- uh, podcast, but we had all the stuff to do the live stream. We just weren't doing it. So it was almost that, that made us do it. However, on the flip side of it, I wondered what you thought about this since you guys are kind of pushing into it rather than running away from it. Mm. What do you do with, you know, there's something about the in-person uh, part of church. You know, there's like, there's a, I, it's it's hard to really describe, but when, I would say like the biggest thing for me is that you're around people that probably disagree with you on a lot of things. <laughs> and when you're at your home or like uh Schuler there yeah, man. and in your car doing a doing a drive-in service like they did in the 70s you kind of miss that iron sharpens iron thing so what are you guys sure. doing to try to tackle that as a problem yeah man so that is the that's the that's the big question right and that is the big dilemma and uh i think part of it was part of our 
sort of slowdown in the process was not just logistical. It was that as well. It was that question of, you know, we 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 saw a need to create before the pandemic, like we saw a need to to create opportunities for people to experience church that maybe like they just because of their work schedule even like they couldn't come to church on sunday and so we're like okay well we'll open services throughout the week you know we'll have bible studies we'll you know we'll do that kind of thing but then you know still seeing the disconnect and you know for people that can't leave their their house because of a sickness or an illness or even for simple things like lack of transportation or you know whatever the case may be like like seeing the need uh kind of you know, adapting with the 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 changing of times and things like that to, you know, try to meet people where they are, but at the same time, not wanting to give people excuses because, you know, one thing that for sure happened this past year with the with the pandemic is people definitely got comfortable going to church in their pajamas on their couch at home or laying in bed or, you know, whatever. And then now that a lot of churches have, you know, reopened and they're able to go back and meet in person, it's like, well, I, you know, I kind of like this better now. And, and it's just easier. And the last thing that the church in America needs is to be easier. Like that's the last sure. thing yeah. that any of us need is to just like, well, let me cater to like every person. So like I see both sides to it. And I do think that that really is uh, the biggest dilemma. So to your question, um, one of the things that we're doing with the e-church is we're really trying to create it as a community where it's not you're, you're not going to be in, in, in a sense like, of course, we can't control what anybody does. But in a sense, like our our goal and people know this from the beginning when they, you know, when they sign up to become a part of the e-church um, they know that this is not the this is not an invitation to disconnect and just do church on your own. Right. Um, this is an invitation to be a part of a community. So we do that through like Zoom meetings. We do that through um, uh, different like online sort of gatherings that we have that are essentially face to face in the way that you and I are face to face right now, uh, but with you know more people. And then the idea for every person is that they'll come to some kind of a, you know, regional event service at least like once a quarter or something where there's some personal face to face interaction. But like we do interviews with people, um, you know, before uh, like they we have like a little simple form that they can fill out to be part of the e-church. But then the idea is. um <clears throat> You know, one of the pastors or a couple of the pastors will contact them and we'll set up like a just face to face Zoom meeting interview and just find out like where they are. And, you know, we kind of want to know why is it that you're looking to be an e-church member as opposed to finding a church in your city where you live or, you know, something like that, because obviously like the the thing with the e-church is it's not just for people that are here locally where we live. It's all it's potentially all over the world. And just trying to get a feel for where people are at, because we're not looking for people who are trying to escape relationships. Um, you know what I mean? So it's uh, that's a, that's a tricky thing. Those are like definitely like some turbulent waters that we're trying to navigate, because even in some of the stuff like I've had to think because I'm, you know, creating commercials and different like advertising and, and things like that for the e-church. And so often, like I, I, I catch myself um promoting it in a way where i'm like you know the the 
a certain kind of person can listen to this and it sounds great and it's like what they need because of the situation that they're in where they can't get out of their house and get to church or whatever. But I can also see how someone else could take what I'm saying and use it as an excuse mm -hmm. to, you know, just like stay home from from church and not have that interaction, which is so important. I mean, it's at least that I would say 50 percent of why we go to church, you know, is for right. the interactions with people. It's important that we worship God corporately. You know, we can worship God on our own. Absolutely. But it's so important that we worship God together as well. And so, yeah, we're we're constantly sort of, you know, minimally like course correcting and trying to, OK, how can we say this better? How can we present this better? Um you know, so trying to reach people where they are, but at the same time, not trying to give all those excuses and just trying to find, you know, practical ways to do that. Um, yeah, for I think it comes down to discipleship, really, um, for sure, because we're kind of in that boat now. Um, we're trying to figure out how to do a better job of discipling, because before the pandemic, we were doing um, still like a Sunday school format mm -hmm. where you know, the kids would have their classes and the adults would have their classes. But at the time, you know, our church was 375 people and I would say only about 75 people, which actually is not a bad number. If you think about it, right, 75 yeah. <laughs> to 100 people were involved in Sunday school. If you look at statistics, that's fantastic. But we still right. felt like, is there something else? Now we do small groups. We do that, too. But our small groups are more they're not that teaching discipling uh, model. And we're not really sure if that's what we want them to be anyway. We want yeah. those to be more of like a life group, a, uh, a care group or something of that nature where it's more just interacting with people, uh, like kind of like you were describing in community. It's yeah, tough man. though, because we don't really want to go back to the model of doing Sunday school. But then again, we feel like we have to, in order to do discipleship. Now for us in our area, like a Wednesday night service, just doesn't make sense a wednesday night okay. you know discipleship thing uh, through the week we actually found that we're it by us doing it on sunday mornings we had a better turnout than if we did it midweek because they're coming to church anyway just come an hour earlier and well, you can have some discipleship yeah. so we'll probably go back to it if, if i will say this though if you were to tell my grandfather-in-law uh, down in myrtle beach that like i told him once he asked me what kind of church you go to he's from like kentucky yeah and i was like uh well you know our church is like a non-denominational spirit fill blah 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 okay okay you guys got sunday morning service i said yep he's like okay you got sunday night service i said nope no sunday night service are you serious <laughs> like yeah we don't, we don't have sunday night service and he's like well you have a midweek you have a wednesday night bible study don't you i said no no we don't have that mm. yeah what kind of church is that like he could not wow. wrap his... and then i showed wow. him a picture of our church you know we we're definitely i mean we're not like hillsong or some huge production thing but we got some lights we got you know like different yeah. colors going yeah. on uh, stage lights and stuff like that he just it blew his mind he didn't he didn't even know what to do with that he's like that ain't no church. Why are you doing? Blah, blah, wow. You got drums in that church. Like he just, he's old school, baby. But <laughs> it, it but, is, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It is crazy though. I've been thinking about this lately is like, it's crazy how churches like, man, like the amount of production 
yeah. that is like that goes into a church service right now like the level of equipment like the amount of money that's like spent on mm -hmm. soundboards and lights and screens and mixers and like all these different things like it's really uh i mean obviously not not at, not i mean we're not at that level person right. like our church is not at that level but um but the amount of like the excellence of production mm -hmm. people who have like really serious degrees and like sound engineering and all this kind of stuff like running these you know sunday morning and midweek productions in churches like it's really professional level stuff like it's it's just it's just crazy like i was thinking about that lately like looking at some of the different like churches and like just the vast amounts of equipment like probably hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of you know equipment and different things and just like the 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 level of excellence in production that's happening um just like in general in churches today is just kind of like mind-blowing you know it is but i don't know if you felt like this i i feel like the the other side of that mm -hmm. is that excellence you know we preach excellence ex excellence sure. we want to have you know, the shortest announcements that are the most dynamic and you want all this stuff. The problem, though, is that can easily turn into professionism. And then what happens is you lose the like you lose people being real, like you lose the genuine uh, who you are as a DNA of your church. If you go so far into that excellence, which I found before the pandemic, I was definitely in the per perfectionist camp by saying okay. we just want excellence. I was right. in the perfection camp and I would like just to, I mean, here's the, here's the truth. It was robbing me of joy. It was mm -hmm. robbing my church of having that organic feeling of like, of like anything could happen. Like I noticed that once we got back together and I wasn't like printing out a, I was, I mean, this is how bad it was. I print out a script pretty much for announcements for the person on announcements uh -huh. and follow this script. And then when I just gave up with that because of the pandemic, I was glad we were together. It was there was so much life to the fact that the mm. announcements weren't good. <laughs> like it was so much. It was just better that things yeah, were man. happening. It, sure. It's not as I, I'm not saying I, I want it to be like, who cares? No order. Obviously, yeah. I'm not saying no, that. I get it. But I took it to this level that was robbing me of just appreciating my church for what it is. And then it was robbing them of having that unique organic experience of us just being real. Yeah, so, man. Uh, like, I don't know if I don't think I shared the story with you, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because it's a good story. And if I did, you can stop me. I won't. So I have uh, we have a lot of uh, younger adults with younger families coming to our church. And uh, one of them went to high school with me. They weren't they weren't churchgoers growing up really at all. They start coming to church, you know, kind of like they always you ever find those people that say like, oh, if I go in that building, I'm going to get struck down by lightning. It's like, man, you don't know me at all. So like I'm, I should yeah. be dead by now. Uh, they were kind of like in that camp. And uh, we were doing construction on the new on our new building. And we're um we're in the time of worship and somebody, I think it was the pastor's wife, had a word that she felt like the congregation needed to hear. And she's up there. And all of a sudden, this uh, this lady in my church, um, she let's just say she she had been drinking. Let's just say it that way. And she comes and grabs that microphone out of the pastor pastor's wife's hands and turns around to the congregation and starts just spewing her emotions out at the whole 
at the whole congregation. And it it's like that moment that you're like, is she half in the can? Like, is something <laughs> uh-huh. going on here? I, you know, you're trying to figure it out. Now, my pastor could tell something was up. So Pastor Jeff jumps up, puts his arm around her. Right. That's the first yeah. thing. Puts his arm around her and he's trying to get the microphone out of her hand. But she's got like a Jedi death grip on that yeah. thing. Like she was not letting go for anything. And he says, uh, you know, he's trying to like wrestle it out of her hands and she's still going. And she says, this is what she says. You know, she was going on about her daughter and all this stuff. And she goes, and I woke up this morning and I, I felt, I said, God, I'm not going to church. And then she goes, but then I heard God say to me, Hey, get in the effing truck and go to church. <laughs> she did. She did not say effing. She said she the real thing. Effing. Yes. So I now did. you're like. Oh, and I look over at my wife. I'm like, did you just hear it? She's like, there's no way. I'm like, and you look around the congregation. Everybody's like, did you just hear that? Did you just hear that? And then Jeff grabs the mic and here's the perfect part. Here's what he says. He says, uh, he says, let's just pray for, hey, it's obvious that she's in need of help right now. We'll call her Sandy. Sandy's in need of help right now. Let's pray for her as a congregation. So there yeah. you had like 350 plus people just lifting their arms towards her and praying over her. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if I've shared that story. Have I? Yes. I did. That was the second time I've heard that story. Dang. So it might have been on the podcast or it might oh, have well. been in conversation. It but either been. way, it's but fine. The, the, the perfect part of that story is they looked at me and said, you know, um, later on, years go by. And they told me the best thing about the church was when that happened because it told me that I would um, – it told me basically that I was welcome there, that I yes. wasn't too messed up. That if you could still appreciate and love her and not kick her out of the church after that, then you would still love me and care for me. And when I was pursuing that perfectionism stuff, I was getting rid of that type of messiness that is unique and needs to be in our churches, uh, whatever your church is like. And the F word probably doesn't need to be said in every church, obviously. But (laughs) God can use that stuff all the time. God can use our screw ups. And if we're trying to make everything like a production, then you lose that. And the church is supposed to be a community of people with baggage and all. And if we get rid of all the things that look bad and try to say that's not welcome here, then we lose part of our DNAs of churches. Um, Yeah, I, I feel like that's the opposite way. So I've been trying to have this more of a I'm more easygoing. And yeah, because of that. You know, I haven't been putting as much effort into our live streams. We're back outside. We've been having church outside now for five or six weeks. It's a lot of work. And this coming fourth on July 4th will be our last Sunday outside. We're going back in. Thank God. It's getting too hot, right? Bro, dude, bro. (laughs) I mean, I had like six fans on the stage the other day and I knew I was preaching. So I got my uh, TD Jakes uh, towel because I knew I was, you know, I was going to be preaching at them. So. I got that already and it's just too hot, but people, some people love it outside. Some people hate it. Um, I'm a little bit, I love it and I hate it, but I'm, I'm excited to go back inside, get some AC. Yeah, we did like one or two outside. uh, Like when the, like at the beginning of the pandemic last year, we tried it. We were like, Nope, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not gonna, we're not gonna keep this up. Um, it's just really, I mean, it's hot here, but the weather's really unpredictable here too. Like it rains a lot, you know, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. Um, 
yeah, it just it, it just wasn't going to happen for us. But um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, man, 100 percent with, with what you're saying. I think that we I, I think that there's a way to have the, you know, the excellence in the equipment and the production quality and professional people and all that without losing like the heart of why we're there. And unfortunately, totally. so often I, I think I think that we do. I think that that mm -hmm. that the, the church has, has made that mistake so many times to where like the services are so tight and everything is so like da, 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 mm -hmm. that like you really don't leave room for the for the Holy Spirit to have his way and to do what he wants to do. And like I've heard people say this in 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 different ways, but, you know, something to the effect of, well, you know, we could have we could do church the way that we're doing it right now. And like it could be done. We could we could just invite some people in that don't even know the Lord and just give them the list of how we're doing things right now. And like you wouldn't even know the difference because right. things are just done in this sort of you know, business kind of a way, like, boom, 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 we go from here to there. We were actually joking. It, we were, it was a, we were joking about it, but it actually hit me really hard because I, I think that there's so much truth to it. We were joking in our Bible study last night on the live stream about like, uh, you know, rushing through the salvation call to, mm. to get to the offering, like rushing through the, you know, the, the times of the service that are so important mm. for giving people opportunity to connect with God because, oh, I got to make sure that I have this much time to talk about the offering because that's sort of where the value system is, you know. And so we were kind of like, uh, I don't remember how it got brought up. It sort of got brought up in a, in a joking way. But then I just sat there like. Like I couldn't talk for like 30 seconds because I was just wow. sitting there like this is like that's for real. Right. That's for real. The stuff that we do sometimes with just misaligned priorities just doing things because it's always been done that way or doing things because we feel like that's the way it has to be done or because that's the way this ministry does it. And I loved what you said, even about like the way that you guys do your small groups and the way that you do, uh, like you don't do the Sunday nights and you don't do the Wednesday nights and stuff like that. I think that paying attention to the culture of your people and mm -hmm. where you're at and how it works, where you are certain cities or certain sections of the country like it doesn't make sense to do it this way and just because it's always been done that way or because other people do it that way or because this ministry that you look up to so much does it that way like that's their vision like that's how they're carrying it out that's how they're accomplishing it but it doesn't mean that that's what god is saying for me and for my people right now and so just like even tuning into that and not just doing things for the purpose of the big overall production, like who's watching us on TV, who's watching us out there, but like who's in front of me right now in right. this place. And um, just making sure, like I, I think that the most important thing that we can do as pastors and leaders, you know, as leaders in churches is to facilitate a move of God, to facilitate an encounter with God, to just kind of... Through whether it's through the preaching of the word, through the worship, through the offering, through the announcements, through like the different things that we do. But like our our goal should always be him. Right. Our right. goal should be to open that door and to bring people closer to that opportunity. Not that they don't have the opportunity on their own, because, of course, they do. They don't need a pastor to get to God. But like, you know, when we're in that corporate setting, just doing what we can to kind of like not make it about me, not make it about what needs to be done in terms of the agenda but to give people that opportunity to experience God well, in a I corporate think, way. Absolutely. I think for what I've been realizing recently 
is that God's not calling us to be successful as a church. He's calling us to be faithful as a church. And as leaders, I think yeah, we man. have to be incredibly off. We have to be authentic with our church DNA. So we have to be realizing what is it that is about my church? Cause like you said, there's a lot of like, like if I copy this formula, then maybe we'll be a big church. And then they, they lose the sight of their DNA as a church and being faithful to the Lord. So I've been finding that for me, it's like, okay, I could look at what Stephen Furtick's doing. I could look at like Judas Smith yeah. and do that kind of stuff. And not to say that they, there wouldn't be good ideas, but there's also like a, there's a spirit within each church. That's a little different. Now, thankfully my church has a kind of a fun, easygoing, fun, you know, goofy side to it. Like, obviously we're serious about the Lord. I don't want to get any emails, but um, we're obviously God's doing incredible things. But one of the things he's given us is this humor uh, that yeah. to be able to uh, like, I don't want to get away from that. Mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, there is a freeness. There's an openness that we have that I'm sure some churches would say, well, those things are a distraction Yeah, where I'm like, well, those things are kind of part of our church. Like yeah. they're, they're part of the DNA. Did I talk about the flag lady ever? Uh, it sounds familiar. I think so. But about again, that might have just been over. to me. Yeah, it could have been the lady running over people with flags. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, one of my buddies. I don't think you talked about that last time. No. One of my buddies, he had just started coming to this church. Again, totally unchurched in his 20s. He was following a girl. And he came the first week. And this lady who's no longer with us, she was awesome. She she was just like we called her bubbles, man. She was just happy all the time. And I don't know. She picked up a flag and decided to run around the building. Well, nobody's following her, which she didn't care. So she's running around the sanctuary with this flag. And this kid pops out of an aisle and she just mauls this kid over really? with a bulldozer. Yeah. And my buddy watched that and was like, whoa. And she just kept going. Like she didn't even stop. And he was I'm like, on a Dude, mission for the Lord. Gotta exactly. Keep going. This place is awesome. So he was like, I'll, I'll give it another week. Maybe, you know, the next week, my dad, who is not a flag guy, like we probably have like three or four of those people in our church, right? My dad uh-huh. is not a flag guy. And he feels like God tells him to take the American flag and start waving it. Well, in the process, as he's waving, <laughs> he gets it caught into the chandeliers and now it's stuck in there. So during worship, here's my father trying to fish out an American flag from the chandeliers. And my buddy's in the back watching this whole thing going, <laughs> This church is amazing. You never know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, and I I don't know if I can't say whether or not God told my dad to do that. But I can say that because we allow for some of those things, which some churches are like, oh, my God, I could never let that happen. It would be so embarrassing. Right. I'm like, my friend literally comes to our church because of those things. And wow. he was not church, had no idea about any of it. He just thought these people are real. Hmm. So. I'm just saying, I look at this younger generation, this Gen Z culture, they, they can, they're even better than millennials of sniffing out whether something's real or not. They can wow. sniff that out Come so on. stinking fast and they want it to be genuine. So they, they know what it's like to have fake YouTube or fake TikTok videos. They're sick of that. They don't want that. They want the real deal. So if our churches are all trying to be prim and proper and look, you know, like the the sexy youth pastor or whatever, like right. they don't, you know, they don't want that. They just want somebody who's 
going to be authentic and real and have community with them. They so value good. community. What's also interesting about Gen Z is millennials were kind of known for jumping headfirst into something and then going, oh, I can't do this. But Gen Z, they will not commit to something until they've totally thought it through. They count the cost. And when they say yes, they follow through. They will follow through. Like as yeah. a culture, generally speaking, they will follow through. And our generation is not that way. But they want the real. They want the authentic. Yes. They want it to be not fake. So I'm trying to think because our generation definitely wants perfection and, you know, excellence. That's definitely us and the, and definitely uh, Gen Xers. But there's something about this Gen Z that is just different. It's just yeah. unique. Um, and I believe that God is, is calling us as pastors and leaders to be able to think about those generations coming up because th that's the future church. They're, they're, those kids right now in high school are our future pastors. And yeah, they're going to do things a lot different. They're going to do yeah. things almost opposite. Like if you think about right now, how many, if you ask a, somebody graduating high school today, we just did our graduate Sunday last week, all of them, okay, are either going right into the workforce. They're going, one guy was, I think, going in the military. Another guy uh, was going to a community school. Another girl was going into a community school. I didn't hear any big time colleges at all. And the reason is they've watched the, they're, they've watched the previous generations go into extreme mm. debt Yep, that they are like, I can do this and go to, you know, transfer to a bigger school later to get my master's or whatever they need to, to get that done. They are, they're considering the cost on everything, including church. So when mm. they're driving by and they're looking at your church in the next five to 10 years as an adult, they have to, and they're going to use, like you talked about online presence. They want to, they say right now, it used to be, uh, what was it called? From something to pew. It was called site to pew, website to pew. Like that's how yeah. they find. Now it's live stream to pew. So they're mm. watching your church. They already know who you are and what you're like before they even walk in. Wow. So that Gen Z yeah, is going to be watching your church and saying, is this a church that is genuine? Is this a church that's real? Do I want to be a part of this before they even step into your door? They already know what you're like because of your live stream. And that's a good thing. Bro, I'm, oh, it's so good. You said that so beautifully. It's like, um, man, that, that thing right there, man, that authenticity, that genuineness, that's what people are looking for. And it's, um, I, I just, I think that the world right now, like, even this uh, Gen Z, you know, generation, like everybody, everybody's hungry mm -hmm. for that, right? Like mm -hmm. everybody's hungry for something real, for something authentic. People are hungry for hope. People are hungry, like people are hungry for God without even knowing that it's God that they're hungry for, but they're just looking for something that's real. They're looking for that. I mean, you look at everything right now, man, like everything is revolving around community, like, like we'll like we'll create, you know, apps and like multi-billion dollar companies around the idea of community. Like everything is going that way. Like 
the cryptocurrency like some some of these coins they they work just because there's community there like there's no real value to dogecoin but there's a community behind dogecoin that that makes it real that makes it something that you know people are getting rich off of uh it, it's 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 working even though it doesn't have anything there's no utility behind it it's just like the the community behind it it's you know and and that thing exists everywhere in society and and so when people can find you know real authentic community like you can say okay people people might show up um because they got invited to this you know big deal church production kind of a thing but most people are not going to stay in a church just because it sounded good Right. Or most people are not going to stay because the lights were cool. That's people right. are going to stay when they get impacted by the love of Christ. And when they have that sense that these people are real and they actually care about me. Absolutely. Like, that's why, you know, we can create our own welcome teams and all that's great. But mm -hmm. it's our churches that need to be. Our church, like our family as a church, that's the one soil that we have to cultivate. Number one is trying to give a it's a family atmosphere, you know, not saying that you want a family, small family church. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. You want it to grow, I'm sure. But there should never that should never leave that feeling of home, that feeling mm. of family, that feeling of, like you said, like being genuine and honest. And I was just wondering you know, because I've been in more board meetings than I can even shake a stick at. There's no, I, there's just so many. And the, the biggest thing I wondered this when you were talking is what if we started saying, you know, as we're planning things or coming up, what if we just ask the question, what is the, our church's DNA? Like, mm. how does it fit with this new idea or how does it fit with this problem? Or even me, I'm kind of thinking out loud now as we're talking about discipleship. What is what is PCF, my church? What is what is our DNA? What should we be doing? How does this fit in? Not like what works, what's trendy, what's cool, but what would work with the people that God's called us to minister to? And yeah. that that is the bigger question, you know, and I feel like that question doesn't get brought up a lot in churches. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're busy thinking about financial or resources or thinking about logistically, how can this work? And the last thing on the list is like, is this us? It should be the first thing on the list. Like excellent should wow. be on the bottom. Uh, it should mm. be still part of the list. I'm not saying it shouldn't. Sure. But when, when those priorities get flipped, I think that's when we run into to problems, headaches. Um, yeah, man. It's almost yeah. like I'm saying, what is part of your DNA, but really it's Holy spirit. Where are you leading us? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to be in the driver's seat. Yeah. You know, I can't be faithful unless I'm submitted. So I could come up with all the great ideas and part of being submitted is saying, I don't know everything. Mm, yeah. That's tough. That's tough for yeah. leaders. I think for all of us. Yeah. I love that, man. I can't be faithful unless I'm submitted. That's so good. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think any what you're saying is right on. Anytime we step outside of our assignment, you know, we we open ourselves up for just all kinds of stuff to go wrong. Anytime we step outside of like you you know, you're calling it DNA, you're calling it, you know, going where the Holy Spirit's leading us. Anytime we step outside of that and then we make it about, "Oh, I want to do this because this is what so and so did and it worked really well." 
and I think we even talked about this last time too. There's nothing wrong with like, you know, emulating someone else or getting ideas and stuff like that. Like, of, of course, there's nothing wrong with, with any of that. Like there's times where like, I'll see something, I'll see a friend of mine, you know, who's a pastor do something and it just so resonates with my heart that I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. Like we got to do that. You know, so that, so of course we get ideas from other people, but when you step outside of your assignment on a consistent basis, like the assignment that God has given to you, the vision for the work that, that, uh, that he's doing through you, when you step outside of that, just for the sake of doing what's popular or whatever, then yeah, I think we get into all kinds of problems and issues. And then we well, start having to like be the ones driving it, like you said. So if you use that illustration of the vine, right? So Jesus uses mm -hmm. this illustration of the vine and he says it twice. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. But when we have the assignment and we have an idea of the things that like God's given us a vision, God's given us this stuff. He doesn't say it's going to be easy to be attached to the vine, right? The problem is, is that we disconnect and start chasing after other things and trying to emulate other things. Like we're, it's weird. Our first, like as people, as, as sinful creature, uh, you know, create uh, sinful people, we, we tend to try to look to other people. Like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What's he doing? What's he doing? I, I, because things aren't happening. The fruit's not being, is not coming right away. Mm. So then what in process is now we disconnect from the vine. Now, what's interesting is when Jesus was talking about remain in me, he says the word remain in that in that passage a total of eight times. So it's got to be important. Wow. But it's never that Jesus is going to disconnect from us. That's not the concern. He's here. He says, <laughs> remain in me as I'm in you. So he he's here. He's solid. There's nothing. He's faithful. You don't have to worry about that. But his concern is that we're going to disconnect from him. So yeah. you, like I said, you can't be faithful unless you're submitted. And the biggest problem, I think, is when we get into these moments, like even like I am in right now as a, in our church, as I was talking about, um, you know, where we're like, what should we do with discipleship? How do we have it? Why, why is it that I'm looking to disconnect real quick to go find something else instead of relying on the vine where everything comes from? That's where that's where my vision comes from is from him it being attached to the vine. That's where that's where uh, the vision comes from, the hope, the excitement, the everything I need is in the vine, except I want to get the fruit that that other tree has or that other <laughs> branch has. Yeah, Why man. don't I have that fruit? No, he called yeah. me to this place. Yes. I'm this branch and I'm connected to the I am not going to disconnect from the vine. And mm. I look at it as kind of like. Nobody thinks about vines anymore. Like we don't think that way. Obviously they did in Jesus's culture. That's why he talked right. about it. But yeah. I would say it's more like Wi-Fi, right? So you're connected <laughs> like to the Wi-Fi. You say yes to Jesus and you put in the password. You're connected, right? So you're connected to the Wi-Fi. And if you get out too far the perimeter, yeah. you lose connection. Yeah, man. And it's not Jesus that's moving. He's stand, standing still. It's us that falls away. And then we lose connection connection he's begging and pleading us as christians as leaders as you know fathers and and mothers as daughters and sons like he's begging and pleading us to stay connected to him to mm. stay in that wi-fi connection because the biggest issue in my in my opinion is we start wandering you know yeah. or i got add you know it's like what well, is yeah, that a squirrel like <laughs> i'll do that and what? it's like what you said was so good it's like you got to remain on the assignment you know, you stick on the Wi-Fi, you stick connected to him, 
and you remain on, you know, yeah. in that. Now, your fruit might look different. You know, he, your fruit might, is going to look different than my fruit. Yeah. And our church is going to look different from your church or vice versa. Yeah. But it's funny that we always want to replicate and get the same results as other churches. And that's not what he's called us to. He hasn't called us to successfulness. He's called us to faithfulness. So, and I can't be faithful if I'm not submitted and if I'm not staying connected. Wow. Come on, man. You know, the, uh, Psalm 91, one, yeah. he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And, you know, we're safe. We're, we're safe where he has us. We're safe when we're with him, when we're connected to him. And like you said, he never disconnects from us. That's the fallacy in a lot of people's thinking is that God disconnects from them when they mess up. God disconnects from them mm -hmm. when they forget to read their Bible. God disconnects from them when they sin. God doesn't disconnect from any of us ever. Like he mm -hmm. is the vine and, and mm -hmm. we've been grafted into him. And, but yeah, like you said, man, so often in our own thinking and just chasing after different things and things that we think are right. And most of the time we have good intentions, but a lot of times where our focus is off. And so we'll go, we'll, we'll do different things and we'll disconnect. He who dwells in the secret mm -hmm. place of the most high will abide under the shadow of the almighty he's right. there's such a place of insulation and protection not that things will never go wrong but like there's this place of protection and confidence when we're where he wants us to be when we're mm -hmm. when we're abiding in him you know abiding under the shadow of the almighty not every once in a while but living our lives in that place and and there's such a a, a peace and a confidence that comes from that that gives us the the ability to carry out the assignment that he's given to us, you know? And I think yeah, that it's funny that word you were using abide is the same as remain. It's actually from a Greek word, uh, meno, I think it is M E N O. And it means to remain, uh, to abide. But another one is to live. Mm. Now think about it in that, like you're talking about living in your life, everything you do, you're living with Christ. You're living with the spirit in all aspects like that to me, life is life. And apart from what does Jesus say in that? Right. If you disconnect, like if if you disconnect from me, you're like a dead branch. And people I, I always thought it when I was growing up, like he's going to throw me into fire if I disconnect from him. No, no, that's not the point. The point is, he's saying is like you disconnect from me, you're a dead branch. And there's nothing to do with a dead branch mm. except throw it away like. Yeah, I don't man. want you to do that. I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay in me, but you keep disconnecting. Like, like that's, there's no life in that. And yeah. it's like you were saying, it's like, it's not going to be all hunky and dory, hunky dory and gumdrops and <laughs> hunky and, and dory, okay. hunky and dory. It's, it's not going to be that it's going to be life yes. and life. And what I found, this is so true is that true life happens when storms and turmoil and those things happen. That's when we are so, uh, while we're connected to the vine, things are difficult, but there's life in it, mm. despite, despite the fact that there's things happening that we don't want. Don't disconnect, because when you yeah. disconnect, you die. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But we think in our heads, well, if I just can't, if I just came up with the right thought, if I came up with the right idea, then therefore everything's going to, maybe I could save this ship from sinking. Mm. And it's just not the way things go anymore. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's like literally telling us, uh, you have to remain in me. You have to live in Come me. On. Yeah, man. It's oh, it's so good. I, 
I, I've been so we've been we've been talking about like excellence and success and these different you know these these different things and, and I think so often our idea around these things is so wrong right and when we we need to know it's so important for us as individuals as churches as families like to understand what our assignment is what God has called us to do we we've all got the assignment to abide in him like that's foundational we've all got the assignment to grow in grace we've all got we've all got that and then from that what's my specific you know assignment mm -hmm. what is god calling me to do right now in this season throughout my life whatever you know and just recognizing that like as long as we're connected to him we're abiding in him and we're living in that place like you you talk abiding living in in what he's called us to that that is success man like yeah you know when i define success based on stephen furtick's ministry which is which mm -hmm. is great and amazing stuff that's going on over there if i define my ministry based on that then i'm not successful but if i define success and i define excellence for me based on you know what I'm doing my best with what God has called me to do in the season that I'm in right now. And so I don't have to measure up to somebody else's, right. you know, place in life. I don't have to measure up to what that person's doing. I just have to measure up to what God is calling me to do. And, and even in that I'm imperfect, but you yeah. know what I mean? Like success is not having a big church with this many people or being able to, you know, impact this many people. It's, no, okay. I'm I'm having an impact by being obedient to what God is calling me to do right now. And if I do that, there's going to be growth as the byproduct of it. But the getting to a certain place, like it's not that once I get there, then I'll be successful. As long as I'm being obedient to what He's called me to do now, I am successful. Well, it's interesting how the world defines success, right? So For the sure. world defines success as saying you're independent, you're wealthy and comfortable, and then mm -hmm. the third one would be you're powerful. Yeah. But the difference is, is that the kingdom of God and how he determines success is that you're dependent on him. You're not independent. You're content with what you have. Mm. Uh, you're content. Like the being discontent is being like dissatisfied with your circumstances being content is being happy despite what your circumstances are so if you are if you are dependent on him like you can't live without him and you're you are uh, content with him and the last one instead of being powerful like the world says you are being submit like faithfully submitted to him mm. so you are actually yeah. doing the polar opposite of what the world determines as successful now he calls those things successful but he's really looking for faithfulness and that's what is success is the yes. faithfulness you know yeah and uh, i find to me like when i'm you know, the world says independent, you got to be independent, do things your way. That doesn't work for me. I don't produce good fruit that way. I produce Josh Whippy fruit. That doesn't, that's not good. And when I'm not content and I'm chasing comfort, like I'm chasing things to be better for me. And if I don't have this and what's going to happen, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I wish I made six figures. I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not producing fruit. That's not yeah. success. You know, and, and, and if I'm faithful, faithfully submitted to him now, the pro it's like it's almost like baking a cake you know we got a lot of i love cake but whatever you put into that cake to bake that that is what's going to come out and that's what it's going to taste like sure. and i want to pursue the success or the faithfulness of god in my cake i and i don't i don't want the junk in the poo poo of this world in my cake yes 
because whatever you put in it, that's what you're baking. That's what you're making. In the end result, that's what it will taste like. Now, I can already tell that there's some people that are like, yo, well, whoa, I probably have put some things bad in my cake. Like I've got my recipes all jacked up. Sure. And I believe that God's saying, hey, throw out the cake. Let's do a new one. Let's make mm-hmm. a new one. And uh, I feel like when we realize, we talked about this last time, that this world is completely upside down uh, from the kingdom of God. That's okay that the world doesn't look at us as successful because, like yeah, you said, man. we are being faithful to the mission, faithful to the assignment that he called us to. And I wanted to say also, it is very true that everybody, whether they're a pastor or whether they're just a children's church worker or you know whatever it is maybe you're just at home and you live in a retirement facility whatever those things are you are to bear fruit so that means you do have an assignment because god's saying that if attached to me you'll bear fruit that's the promise you will bear fruit and what you ask it will happen because he's saying you're attached to me my will my plan my vision so the question isn't oh well that's great duke and josh are pastors they're going to have a mission well our mission is different than yours God's yeah, got man. something different from you, but you are to bear fruit. You're going to. So, yeah, I don't know. I always yeah. feel like some people, some people, you know, they, they put that on. Oh, that's the pastor. That's the, what they're supposed to do. No, you're supposed to do that. Like, even if you're not a pastor, you're Absolutely. supposed to be bearing fruit. Absolutely. And he's got a mission for you. He's got something for you to do. And it could be just talking to your neighbor across the hall that drives you crazy or whatever, you know. Maybe that's yeah. prophetically saying something to somebody right now. And they're like, oh, man, I hate that. You said that. <laughs> Bob is such a jerk. <laughs> Get up. Turn the well, podcast off. Go talk to Bob. It's going to be OK. But when you look at life and realize that we are creating yeah, something and we are to bear good fruit and attach to him, then that goes. You take that to a personal level. It's like, man, I need to remain in him. I need to stay connected to him. I have to. Mm-hmm not just jump and go on Facebook and find out what I'm supposed to be doing and look up inspiration. But, you know, I, I do find it funny while we're looking for inspiration, we forget that God is the creator of the world. Like he created yeah, every single thing in, in the, he's the innovator. He is the innovator. He comes up with ideas faster than anybody else can. So why am I going to a source of a person when I should be going straight to the source of the God who created the universe? Exactly. Yeah. And I I was going to say when you were talking, it's like, you know, the world says you're not successful. It's like, okay, uh, whose whose standard is that? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you're not you're not successful. You like, okay, like, who are you? Yeah. And based on their their description of it, we're not. Yeah, of course. But like, what does God say? Mm -hmm. what does god say about you what does god say about the assignment that's on your life what does god say about your obedience and your faithfulness like you know and and as long as we try to measure up to someone else's version of what we're supposed to be it's never there's never going to be that contentment there's never going to be that you know that happiness that you're you know that yeah that contentedness that you're talking about i think there was a phrase that they used to throw around at at Elam, I think it was like unsatisfied satisfaction, you know, mm. and it's just like uh, we're, we're satisfied in him. But we're, do, that doesn't mean that we're satisfied to just stay where we are and never and never go forward and never increase because there's always an opportunity. There's always an open door for more. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really do believe that, like, um, man, like even even in that um, being faithful to what God has called you to do, you might not be the richest person on the planet but Mm. if if god has called you to do it 
He's going to provide for your needs Mm -hmm. and he's going to go above and beyond, you know, because because I believe um, it's uh, uh, Ephesians 320. Um, I can't even think of what it says. I know that that doesn't usually happen. Usually I forget the reference and forget the verse. But in this case, give me a second here. Uh, Ephesians 320. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think that's the nature of god there's so many different you know scriptures that that we could point to that point to the the abundance of who god is and how generous he is and how good and how faithful and he gives us good gifts and you know he's wanting to increase us he's wanting to prosper us Mm he's 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 he wants that yeah it's just that like that shouldn't be at the expense of obedience. <laughs> it shouldn't right. be at the expense of doing what we're called to do of what of, of what he's set out for us. And, and mm-hmm. I just think that, like you said, there's so much just infinite creativity with God that if we would be content to trust him and to follow his plans for our lives, that, you know, I, I, I really believe in and that the these material things and these different things that we're talking about, they really do so often become the byproduct of just faithfully serving the Lord. Those things shouldn't be the goal, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have good things. Oh, absolutely. You know, it doesn't mean they just want you to experience those good things. Well, while Um, the world is saying that wealth and comfort and fame and all that stuff is like success, that's what they measure it by. What they're unknowingly advocating for is discontentment. They don't they don't even know they're doing that because I read in a study. This is crazy. It said, you know, money. The reason why money doesn't bring happiness is because you can always get used to the the money that you make. Yeah. But you but basically they said that people never grow tired of having admiration from others. So Mm. what they're actually chasing for is something you can only get from God. That's the only thing that's where true contentment comes from wow. is God. So while they're chasing after the things that, like you said, could be the byproduct of some of those things, while they're chasing after that and making that the goal, they're actually losing, losing the truth, which is what their heart longs for is from basically attention from God and hearing yeah. from him, which is it's sobering to think about because how many times in our lives do we get sidetracked and start trying to chase after things of this world? You know? Yeah, man. I I love something that Bill Johnson says. He says, you know, how much money is too much? Well, Mm -hmm. it's not an amount. It's whatever place it's whatever replaces trust. And so Mm -hmm. for some people, you know, that's 50 bucks in their wallet, honestly. Yeah. But you know, if, if I get, if I get a, an extra, if I have an extra hundred dollars at the end of the month, it's like, I, I, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not. And and my dependence on him can go out the window for such a small amount. There's other there's, but then there's people, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. It doesn't do anything to their, to their trust in God. Nothing. Um, and so just learning to be dependent on him, to be confident in him, to trust in him, to be content in him wherever we are. I mean, obviously even Paul said that, right? I, I've learned in whatever state of life I'm in to be content. And and so just learn learning how to do that. Do you know what the secret? Because he says it's a secret. Do you, do you know that? I, he says there's a secret to that. Mm. I discovered the secret to being content yeah. in all things. What's yeah. funny is before he says that, uh, I think it's in verse eight of that chapter, 
before he says that, he says to he says, finally, brothers and sisters, think about what is good, what is noble, what is, you know, he goes through this whole thing. And I find it's funny. He's telling he's telling us the secret is focusing our mind on things above. Right. On God and also things that are good. And how many of us like wonder, why are we not content where, where I'm at? But we're so focused on the negative. Now, I had a shower thought a couple weeks ago. And this is where this is where that came from. Had that, you know, shower thought. It's like a great idea and you can't write it down. And you hope that it sticks, you know. So what, what it was, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was negative people are searching for negative things. Positive people are searching for positive things and both of them find what they're looking for. Yeah, 100 percent. So when Paul's telling us to think about what is good right to to put our mind and set our hearts on things above he says that i believe in ephesians and i might be wrong with that maybe it's philippians still to, to set our say, say the verse again set uh set your mind on things above uh colossians colossians three two ah bad pastor there you go oh you're good um, man that's just one of my favorite verses so but as he's <laughs> sitting in jail he's telling us in philippians that he's found the secret of being content yeah and it's he's He's literally thinking of good things. And I wonder how much, like how powerful is our mind that we, you know, we could find negative things really fast. And yeah, I man. find all the time, if I'm thinking about like even football, something tr trivial as football, if I'm looking for the bad stuff, I will find it. But if I look for the positive, I'll find that too. And I'm done looking for the negative. Come you on. know, the negative will find itself. I don't need to go looking for it because I can tell you right now, like right now we're building this house or we're not building a house. We're redoing the kitchen. I could find the negative if I really wanted to. And I yeah. actively every morning being thankful for what we have, thankful for the progress, mm. thankful for, you know, because I'm, what am I doing? I'm setting my mind on good things. I'm thinking of good things. I'm thinking of the positive and it makes yeah, a big man. difference. And I'm thanking God, which is part of the process. Yeah. Well, look, bro, that's that's meditation. That's what that's what biblical meditation is. It's meditating. It's it's contemplating. It's thinking about it's musing over mm -hmm. the 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 word of God, the promises of God, what he said, what his word says, what he says about us, you know, mm. and it's just keeping that in front of you. And yeah, I, I love uh, I love that passage in Philippians. And and then even, you know, Paul says in, in Philippians as well, he's like, rejoice in the lord always and again i you know i say rejoice just in case writing, you didn't get it the first time I'm like yeah right <laughs> exactly rejoice in the lord like always and and it's just like you said man in that place from writing from a place of imprisonment from like being in a literal hellhole mm -hmm. and writing those words of encouragement to the other believers who like were mm -hmm. probably not in prison like he was at that moment but you know what I mean? Like being in that place and not allowing it to to translate into depression and anger and all these different things. But, mm. you know, just becoming aware of that. I love what you said. Be You know, just being intentionally grateful for what you have. Thank mm -hmm. you for what I have, Lord. You know, one of the things that I that I do now when um, if I start to feel sick, if I start to get a headache or I start to get that little like scratches in your throat where you just feel like like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I'm going to be sick tomorrow because I'm, I'm mm -hmm. starting to feel it like whenever that starts to happen, like almost immediately or hopefully it's a, it's becoming more and more immediate. But but what I do is like I very quickly recognize, uh, God, I just want to thank you that I'm your child, that I belong to you. And I just want to thank you right now for divine health. 
and I just begin to thank him for divine health. Even when I'm like, I'm not feeling it in that moment, but I just begin to thank him for that. What am I doing? I'm not denying the existence of my headache because that's not helpful. Like, no, I don't have that headache and cheat. Like, like, no, I'm not denying the existence of the problem, but I am denying the influence of the problem in my life by focusing on a higher truth, by focusing on a higher reality, which is the promises of God, the word of God. He promises to keep me in divine health. He promises that by his stripes, I'm healed. He promises that he's my healer, that he's Jehovah Rapha. And so like my circumstances are saying something different. It doesn't mean that God's word is not real. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's not that he's wrong because my circumstances aren't lining up. So what do I need to do? I need to, to get my mind right. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And so I set my mind on him. I remember to think about those promises and the things that you're saying, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are praiseworthy, you know, think, meditate on these things. I think that we get weird often with the word meditate because all kinds of other, you know, religions and practices use meditation, but like it's, it's in our book, you know, it's, it's, it's in here. Like, and, and it doesn't mean that you just disconnect your mind from reality. No, meditation is what you're thinking about. If you're thinking about your problems, you're meditating on your problems. Like if you're going through your day, playing out all those, just like, you know how you can just replay a scenario of a negative outcome over and over in your mind. And it's just sort of that, yeah. Oh, well, what if, what if this <laughs> happens? What if they, what if, you know, what if they, uh, when I get the test results and it's like this and like, I, 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 I get it. You know, I get that there's that the fear and the anxiety associated with that. But as long as we go down that negative, just downward spiral of what if, and, you know, playing out those scenarios in our mind, it, it becomes, I say this all the time, so forgive me, but it becomes this like, I think really counterfeit way to try to be in control of our problems that are outside of our control by like thinking about it over and over again and and living that scenario out in your head and thinking about the negatives and if this happens and that happens and, and it leads to more anxiety. You know, if you're meditating on those things, meditation always produces something. So if you're thinking about bad stuff all the time, you're going to be producing more and more worry or guilt or fear. So basically, or you're saying you're meditating whether you know it or not. Yeah, man. Or admit it. Yeah, like That's let's let's word. Just, let, yeah, let's just call it like like this the that like internal conversation that you have mm-hmm. with yourself all day long. Right. You know, and that's the I always tell people like that's the most important conversation you'll have today is the one you have with yourself. Mm, you know, because uh, that's that's what we do. You know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Um, you know, we talk about that, but we don't recognize that, you know, the talk that's going on inside our head is just as potentially dangerous or powerful. Take every thought captive, bro. Exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we're, I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I believe we're, we're always, we're always meditating, um, yeah. on one thing or another. And so we've got to, at some point become, take the responsibility. Cause like, mm-hmm. God's not just going to walk into my brain and fix my thought life. Right. No, he's given me what I need. He's given me all the instruction that I need in his book. Mm-hmm. And so if I'll actually fill my, my head, my heart with his word, with his promises, then I've got something to pull from. Mm. Or when I'm in the moment where I've 
you know, got some bad news that was presented to me, what do I do? Do I just roll with that? Like, okay, well, this is what it is now. And then just immediately try to like settle into that new reality. Or do I fight with the promises of the word of God? Do I like I can go in here and I could find a promise that counteracts that bad news that I just got. Again, I'm not pretending I didn't get the bad news or that it's not a real problem. It is a real problem, but I've got a higher truth that I can stand on. Mm-hmm. And so finding scripture, finding a promise from God, going back to like maybe if you if you're fortunate enough to have like prophetic words written down or recorded or if you keep a journal and you have things written down that God has showed you just like taking some responsibility over our thought life. Like you said, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ isn't taking my thoughts captive for me. Right. He's given me instruction though, on how to do it. Right. And how to take, you know, control and to take authority back by making it about him, by focusing on him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, we don't have to be all devil focused and demon focused and casting out demons around every corner. And I bind you in the name. Like, we don't have to be all like that. Like spiritual warfare is done from a place of worship. Mm. I believe I'm not, I'm not not saying there's never a time to cast out a demon. Of course there is. Jesus did that. I mean, a great thing is what was it? Paul in prison there. They were singing. Yeah. And that's, that's when the gates like love it broke open. Um, or the, or that was a choice, right? It was a choice. They could have sat there in their problems and just been like pissed off. Forgive my language. Yeah. but But I heard somebody say once you're, your praise has to be bigger than your problems. Like mm. your praise has to be a problem for your problems. Come on. And with it. that's when, I mean, in that, think about that scenario, you're in jail. Now it's also funny is that the jail cells blow open and they don't leave. <laughs> they, they don't leave because their circumstances looked like they were going to get better. Right. But they actually used it to witness to that jailer. Like that was, they were so into what is God's yeah, will. They were so connected to the vine to bring it back to that, mm. that they knew that that those things opening were was not for them to be released, but for somebody else to be released from yeah. the sin that they were in, you know? Yeah. And then like they all they got out anyway after, yeah. you know, but they did it the right way. That it's so cool. It's so cool. The, the amazing thing about that, too, is that like they're like, hey, don't don't kill yourself because mm-hmm. right. I'm, I'm am I. I'm not mixing up stories. Am I the guy was basically about to off himself because he knew that he was in huge trouble? Like, no, no, no. Do yourself no harm. We're all still here. Mm -hmm. Like, not just Paul and Silas. Mm -hmm. Like, the prison was like, (laughs) what do you have to do? What kind of authority do you have to have in that moment to like, you know, a bunch of prisoners? Right. They're not running away. Like, what happened in that place, man, when they were singing, when they were praising God, when that earthquake happened? Like, I don't know. Maybe people were just like so frightened they didn't know what to do i don't know but like they're like no we're all we're all still here man yeah that's awesome. crazy so God's i do so have much things bigger to than we plug think. today say it again i got things to plug today dude let's you plug some asking, stuff how do you ask that question what do you say uh i don't know like do you do you have anything you're promoting maybe okay, or something like okay. that For, i don't say it i in, got a couple in, things can i have a couple things yeah man okay as first many one, things as you want let's plug some stuff one, Oh, put that away. <laughs> Simple power. <laughs> Learning to draw from the supernatural resources of heaven from a guy named Duke Lamastra. And uh, in, in the back, it's a very good book. Uh, this is when you were in 
this is uh let's see duke lamastra is the executive pastor at legacy church international located in mobile alabama he serves the body of christ in the areas of pastoral leadership worship church planting and missions and he's an author and an international speaker with passion of raising up leaders and releasing them into the assignment and destiny so if you'd like more <laughs> information you can buy this on amazon this has never happened to you before there Josh you go. Uh, well there it is happening now so that's my first thing to plug my second thing to plug is Thank a you. show on netflix that was stinking awesome that i watched it all in two days called uh -huh. sweet tooth it's based off of a comic from 2009 sweet okay. tooth awesome it's kind of fantasy driven uh and you know i was going to tell you this earlier but we don't have time for it today in every single thing you watch or see in pop, pop culture, always be thinking two things. Number one, where is the gospel in this? And number two, like, what is this saying about our culture? And when mm. you go and watch things, not just for entertainment value, but you look at it in uh, an apologetics kind of way. What is this saying about my culture? What is my culture mm. saying? And what is their heart? What do they need? But also, where's the gospel in the story? And I think you'll find both those things pretty easy in that. It's about a boy mm. who is a hybrid He's got like antlers, like antlers, like a deer on his yeah. head. <laughs> and he's uh, it, it follows him, the story of him uh, in a post, you know, post uh, apocalyptic world. Like things are all messed up. Things are terrible. Uh, but that that's a really cool. That's a really good series. Mm. Uh, there was that. The awesome. other one, the final one I want to do. Well, first of all, I want to tell everybody I am drinking Arnold Palmer. <laughs> used to be zero but now it's called diet so there are some carbs in it but it's uh it's not bad four carbs pretty good i'm not drinking beer at church are we just are we just finding stuff to plug right now no. like, are we just looking around the room let's see no, what do this, I got? Is real, this is real stuff this is like <laughs> this is real stuff I i've got think, uh, though... these pens by i don't know if you can see this or not paper mate shout out to uh, paper mate shout out to paper mate um <laughs> no i'm bringing this up because people saw me drinking it they're probably like is he drinking beer and i don't want you to get a nasty email uh, from it's somebody like some mike's <laughs> or yeah, lemonade or something. Or something. It's, it it's looks not, like it though. could be i got you yeah so we're it's setting the record straight arnold just Palmer. some lemonade tea right there stop calling me um okay and then the the last one I, I, this is serious i was gonna bring this up uh elon bible institute bringing that mm -hmm. up if you know somebody uh duke and i both went there I not getting anything from this Elam uh, Elam.edu I think is their website. Uh, great place if you're if you're a young adult or maybe you're you're a seasoned person that's looking for somewhere to go in life. You're wondering what God's calling you to. Uh, yeah. Check out Elam. It is a great place to go physically, but they also have online classes now. Uh, you can get your degree. They have a degree. They uh, have a you know uh, everything. Uh, bachelors. I, not everything, but it goes up higher than right. it did. Associates and bachelors, and uh, you can you can go there. Elam.edu. It's a great place. That's where um, God called me and God called Duke. And I'm just gonna give a little shout out here because I think they they deserve uh, some gratitude. So if you're thinking like, man, Love I don't it. know what to do with my life. If you're like a senior and you're not signed up to go anywhere, it's affordable. You can get financial aid. All that kind of stuff exists there. But mm. it's also a place that you can get direction and vision. Like we were talking about meditating. That's a great way to, place to meditate on the Lord. Uh, you'll be stretched. You will learn new things, meet people that are not like you from different places all over the world. And it's intimate and close. It's not a big, giant school. 
Uh, so you could be real close with the teachers. You could be really close with the staff. Um, you have total access to everything. And yeah. uh, I think I think it's an excellent place to go for somebody looking for some direction in their life. Amen. I support that 100%. That's where me and Josh Whippy met. It's where I met my wife. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing, an amazing place. I think you said last time on the show, man, that, you know, if people ask you, should I go to Elam? You're like, yeah, you should go, but mainly for your relationship with God and your relationship with people, yeah. you know, and uh, these uh, relationships, man, that that came out of that and that have remained till this day are just so, you know, so strong. Right. And um, yeah, man. And we, I, didn't, uh, we didn't get degrees back then. That would have been a sweet right. bonus. Yeah, you know? we didn't even get a degree. <laughs> I got over here, over my shoulder. Uh, a certificate of completion. C- certificate right. of completion right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what I got. I have the Nysum one, too. I I, I have, it, um, I have yeah. a, a thing under it is blessed are the persecuted. Because <laughs> I felt persecuted there. <laughs> yeah, place How crazy awesome was Nysum, man? Back then it was crazy. Totally different now. Totally yeah. different experience. Uh, the food's good. Everything's way better than it was when we were there. But oh, uh, really? Yeah. It's have you been there? You've been there more recently. Uh, yeah. And pictures and stuff. You can look. It's it's totally different. Um, I think when Mike Cavanaugh became president of Elon Bible Institute, some things were changed uh, there, uh, okay. and you know, just kind of got a little bit more up to date on some things and more of an enjoyable experience. So, yeah, but, uh, well, I definitely opened, if you open the elevator going from the second to third floor, I totally, yep. totally, it's like, did you, did you guys write your names on that? Uh, I don't remember if I wrote my name or not. Yeah. So probably not. Cause I probably remember that, but I do remember it's like horror movie. Like yeah. there's like this hidden floor. Oh yeah. That too. <laughs> that you're not supposed to that. get to there's some scary things yeah yeah but i think a lot of that's all cleaned up now it's all different oh yeah yeah like if even when you walk in it's gorgeous it's crazy wow so, no that's awesome anyway, that's so great. those are my plugs yeah that was an amazing experience just like kind of living in the in the city well it was in queens in astoria but kind of going all over the city and learning the subway system and just doing all that and doing all kinds of different ministry experiencing all kinds of we things were all there over the city was pretty awesome we were there for a lot longer than oh, they yeah? are now like they're they're now i think f- three or four weeks and we were, uh, okay we were there like six or eight so yeah i, th- I believe it was about seven that's what seven. i was that's what was in my mind anyway so six or eight seven and you like that. worked you worked there worked did you work there Mm-mm. what no. do you mean so do you when, mean like like uh you like just went there with elam you didn't come yeah i just went there with elam and yeah. you know roscoe junior year uh yeah yeah talking to you about roscoe schnell yeah he's here he was in asia and can't get back right now so he yeah, uh he stays right. at my uncle church. roscoe i didn't i didn't mm. know that's that's who you meant when you yep. said uncle that's well, where I my mind went uncle. when you said that but i didn't know that i, I thought you had an uncle roscoe like <laughs> no I, I put it in quotes <laughs> so that you would know anyway for those who don't know uh roscoe is a missionary uh just be lifting him up in prayer he's trying to look for direction where to go the world shut down he's been here since uh february of last year Mm. so uh be praying for him uh for direction and for the lord to open up some doors for him to get back into the the mission field and uh yeah i gotta get uncle roscoe on the podcast man oh that would be cool can you hook me up yeah you can use my setup or he can use my setup 
Awesome. That'd be fun. Very cool. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, uh, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I love your blue microphone. Thank you. Cover, by the way. Matches my shirt. <laughs> it does. It does. I, I wondered it, if you were going to say something about it, too. Brings I, out your I, eyes, you know. Oh, thank you. I do have blue <laughs> eyes. Yeah, that's what won my wife over. Yeah, right. It was my, yeah, me I mean, too. it was my eyes and my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Josh Whippy, what is uh, what is Whippy? What is your um, what what a uh, nationality? It's Polish. It's Polish. I thought you I were one we, of those. I think we talked about it Polish before. People. So the J is silent. That makes no sense. But it's W Y P I J. Sounds like a radio station. And uh, it's like it a, actually, is there a J in pierogi? Is there like a silent J somewhere in there? No, no, there's know. not. Sometimes okay. forget what sometimes I just said. It ends that way, and it would actually be pronounced in Poland as "vippy," and you would hear it as oh, yeah? like it's the command to drink. So <laughs> really, "vippy Pepsi Cola," you'd see. <laughs> or if you type in just "whippy" without my first name in Google Images, you will see a lot of Polish people getting schnock drinking yes <laughs> Vippy, you know Vippy. and my mother would be like it's to, it means to drink the holy spirit joshua there drink you go the holy spirit. there you go be not drunk with wine but be drunk with the holy spirit <laughs> Vippy. Vippy. i love it that's Vippy great holy spirit yeah so i okay are you like a hundred percent well i don't think any of us are 100 percent anything are you fully are you fully polish or my, you... my dad is my dad's fully polish yeah my mom's got a mix of everything so it's in there. It's in the blood, you know. Yeah, man. I can still I, say Polish jokes and get away with it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's good. Polish jokes like, are good. I'm about fifty percent Polish, I think. Oh yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell I don't you know if it's Polish for joke. sure fifty percent. And again, I'm Polish, so I can I can say these. So I'm I'm fine. Um, so this guy walks into a store and he comes up to the clerk and he says, "Excuse me, sir, do you have any Polish sausage?" And the clerk looks at him with his eyes like, "What are you talking about?" He looks at him. He says. Polish sausage? What are you, Polish? Well, the man becomes irate. He's like, Polish sausage? You ask that because if I asked for German bratwurst, would you say I'm German? If I asked for Italian sausage, would you say I'm Italian? What's wrong with you? The clerk is like, sir, calm down. Calm down. I didn't ask, you know, if you were Polish because just strictly because you asked for Polish sausage. I asked you if you're Polish because this is a Home Depot. <laughs> Ah, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that was good that, one. that was good what was your i'm gonna tell you one that i'm sure you've heard because it's okay. like a very generic polish joke well there's a bunch of these polish jokes like like how do you get a one-armed polish man you out wave. of a tree you wave at him you know like mm -hmm. those those are good they're they're all in good fun i believe in um making fun of everybody of all cultures <laughs> and nationalities so <laughs> so uh yeah well, there's good. something funny about that in comedy like if it, it is true like if there's a christian comedian picking on us as christians because he is one then you're like i love that but if it's a yeah. non-christian person picking on christians and you're like uh right it's right. not the same like you're not with us you're something else <laughs> you're against us yeah yeah um so. well i love uh so do does everyone call you do or I'm sure your family doesn't, but do most people call you Josh Whippy? Like you have one of those names that just kind of it makes sense to say the f the first and last name. Yeah. Um, is uh, that a thing, or is that just me? Uh, so does your family like, call you Josh or Joshua? Uh, Josh. Yeah. Okay. So my wife, my mom, my dad—they call me Josh. There's a couple ladies in church who call me Joshua. 
Um, my closer friends called me Whippy, obviously, or Whip. Yeah. Uh, that would be like, you know, Whip. Jamie Gorman and those kinds of guys, uh, Kevin Ormsby. Yeah. Um, that's just what I've been known as. Uh, people in high school still call me that from high school. And I pastor in the town that I grew up in. So I have some people call me Pastor Whip or P Whip. Um, <laughs> P Whip. I, I love that. Yeah, P Whip. Like, cool take, Whip. Yeah. Yo, cool Whip. <laughs> yeah. I've been. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely fly under that banner. WIPIJ. It's just the, you know, people who know how to say it. Talk Radio Radio. FM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've won the free cast. That's good. Yeah, you've got it. You've got one of those cool last names, man. It just makes sense, like for people to call you by your last name. Like I don't, I don't have one of those. La like Mastra? I've never been. Hey, Lamastra. I don't know. Just I, know, I met a kid the other day. His last name is Hutchinson, and they call him Hutch. And I'm like, that's yeah, that's cool, cool. That's cool. I like that. That's a good name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whippy is a it's a it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, it's definitely a blessing because people remember it. But it's also a curse. Like when I'm getting a call from a telemarketer or something, and they're like, "Hello, is Joshua?" Oh, you can just feel the panic set in white 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 pitch yeah yeah or like when i'm calling and they're like okay can we ask who's calling I'm like yeah this is joshua whippy let me just spell the last name for you so you can pull that up because you won't be able to spell it you know is it that kind w-h-i-p-p-i-e? of w-h-i-p-p-i-e exactly uh no yeah <laughs> that was way too many letters it is also a little weird because some people just you know, they know me because of your last name, especially like in high school or playing in bands. So like I've been, you know, in music my whole life and they just assume that you know them. So they'll be like, hey, Whippy. And I'm like, I don't know you. I wish I did. But now I feel awkward. <laughs> like, am I supposed to know you? But it's really yeah. it's just having a funny last name. I feel like that's the that's the the thing that makes people think they know you. You know what I mean? And it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's like a micro micro celebrity status <laughs> yeah. that weird last <laughs> awesome well hey bud thank you so much again thanks for coming back and being here and uh i plan on having you back sweet o- again and i'll over- try not to say hey, the same stories again you're you we got to get you to catch up to alex because uh last time you you kind of you held that against mm-hmm. me a little bit I'm not gonna yeah. say i was offended but uh can you, you know. bring us on together that would be fun that's what we'll do that's what, that's we'll, what do. we'll do. That's I'm what down. we'll do. It'll be the culmination of my dreams. Actually, he's not even answering my call, so he hasn't called me. In like <laughs> he year, hasn't called. Don't worry. I'll hook it up, bro. We'll get I'm calling you out right now on live, <laughs> on live, real talk with Duke Lamastra. Alex, call me back. Full disclosure: This podcast only exists for this reunion between myself, Josh Whippy, and Alex Seidler. <laughs> it's like three three generations of elam right yeah you yeah. were yeah oh i do have and, another uh, plug i have another plug plug see there's my adhd showing up plug it um the mars hill the rise and fall of mars hill it's a podcast uh from christianity today really good okay really good kind of follows that whole story mm-hmm. and it goes even deeper into like the start of mega churches and how they were super seeker sensitive and then the pendulum kind of swung over to like Mark Driscoll, which was the opposite of that, but he was successful because, you know, it's really like, why do us as Christians, why are we more excited or more drawn to charisma rather than character is Mm. really the question. Like, why do we keep doing this? And uh, it really talks about our culture uh, that I think the church has probably given into a lot that gets us into trouble. 
uh, because we've we've hooked our wagons to like we were talking earlier. All it all comes together. Uh, we've hooked our wagons to what is success, and we look mm-hmm. at those people and uh, they're doing things. Yeah, I guess it's why Trump became president because they cared more about the charisma than they did the character, you know. Mm. But it's just what human nature does, and it's like I think we need to be more aware of it. But it's a really good story, um, and it's not all just you know, attacking Mark Driscoll or anything. I think it's, it's well done to show the positives too. So it's very good. Again, Christianity well, today, I think a rise and fall of Mars Hill. Really good. Well, awesome. Um, sounds great, man. Well, Hey, thank you again, brother. Appreciate you. We'll do it again soon. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for checking this out. You guys have an awesome day. Have an awesome fourth and be back Monday. Bye. Be blessed. Thanks again for catching this episode of Real Live Talk. For future reference, new episodes are released live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube every Monday and Thursday. And uh, these podcasts are uploaded later on to Spotify, Apple, Google, and most of the major podcast platforms out there. If you haven't done so already, if you'd consider subscribing. And uh, if this episode blessed you or added any kind of value to your life in any way, if you're looking for a way to support the channel, you can do that again by subscribing, also by sharing and leaving a review. Thank you so much. Hope you have a blessed day.